Every parent knows the phrase, the terrible twos. But they also know, if they've been parents for any time, they know about the challenging teen years. Mark Twain once said, when a boy turns 13, put him in a barrel and feed him through a knot hole, and when he turns 16, plug up the hole. That is the challenge of parenting teenagers. Good morning and welcome to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. I'm the pastor of First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministry. Ministries, a preaching ministry focused on real truth, real love, and real hope. We're sharing that with lost and hurting people, the truth of God's Word. From His Heart is heard every weeknight at 6 p.m. Central Time right here on American Family Radio. Well, today we want to tackle the challenge of teenagers, both of being a teenager, which is hard, very hard today, and parenting teenagers, teenagers, which is also very, very hard. You know, the scripture speaks to this, to, to parents and to teens, when it says in Ephesians 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It is my privilege today to welcome to the program, Real Truth for Today, my good friend, Greg Speck. Greg has been working with teenagers and families for many, many years. Uh, He has seen it all, I would say, and uh, he has a great word to share to give encouragement and help and hope to teens and to parents. Uh, Greg is a speaker with the uh, Family Life Ministries speaker team. He's the author of four books, Sex That's Still Worth Waiting For, Living for Jesus Beyond the Spiritual High, Build to Last, Mustard Seeds on Youth Ministry. Greg, welcome to Real Truth for Today. Thanks, Jeff. Great to be with you. Well, it's always a privilege. You know, you you and I have been uh, good friends for uh, 15 plus years as we got to know each other uh, at Family Life and uh, got to do some conferences together. And I still remember some of the things that you did in those conferences that were so impactful and so memorable. And uh, I'm not ashamed to say I've said, I'm going to use that when I get back to my church because that is a great point. (laughs) So uh, that's great. Well, Greg, I was reading your bio that you sent me, and I noticed that we had something in common. Uh, We both came to know Christ in a real and personal way our senior year in high school. So tell me how that happened for you. Well, my God was sports, and uh, the one sport I loved more than any other sport was football. But during baseball season, I went out for the team and uh, had a severe injury, ripped out all my ligaments, damaged my cartilage, and sports was over, and my life crashed. Mm. And there was one guy that took an interest in me. He was a Christian. I didn't even know what a Christian was at the time. His name was Dennis Lee Strand, and it was through his friendship, his love, his encouragement, that's what brought me to Jesus Christ. Now... You went from high school into college and studied sociology, is that right? Correct, yes. 
All right, when did you start feeling the pull to ministry? Well, I actually was going to work with elementary school kids, and I got a phone call. This is my senior year at Bethel University, and a guy said to me, Greg, you've been recommended to us for a job. We'd like to fly you in for an interview. And I said, whoa, well, thank you. I go, who are you? Where are you? He said, we're Sunny Ridge Home in Wheaton, Illinois, and we're interested in you in being the men's caseworker for delinquent, emotionally disturbed teenagers. Wow. And I thought to myself, what, do I look like I have a death <laughs> wish? I mean, that's like the last group of people I want to work with. Yes. But I'm embarrassed to say they're going to fly me in. So I'm like, sure, I'll be happy to fly in. Yeah. And I got there and set foot on the campus, and I just sent God saying, this is where I want you. And that's where God started within me, a love for teenagers. And then from there, out of the blue, a church called me to be their youth pastor. And then that's when really the heart for ministry started. Okay, so you were youth pastor for how many years before you went out just on a speaking ministry? Altogether, I've youth pastor for 10 years. Okay. And then the rest of the time has been full-time traveling and speaking. So you you cut your teeth on your own ministry at the church, which is that that's good training, I would I would imagine. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. I, Greg, I had a friend of mine that was an evangelist. He said, you know, it, it's a lot easier to love them and leave them uh, than it is to to be with them day after day. Have you found that to be true? Oh, absolutely. When I'm speaking at a conference and I'm with the youth pastors, I say to them, hey. Every youth speaker in the country could drop dead tomorrow, and youth ministry would go on because of you. You are the one in the trenches. You are the one making the difference. We as speakers, we can play a part in that, but man, as a youth pastor, you are the nitty-gritty of the youth ministry. So what in those 10 years, Greg, when you first were starting out, what were some of the key lessons that you learned? Uh, I learned how to put together a message. I did not grow up in the church. I didn't go to youth group. I didn't have any experience at all in the church. I had no idea how to communicate a message. So God taught me how to put together a message. I had to speak at least twice, sometimes three times in a week to my youth group. So that's where God began to teach me the importance of humor illustrations that really give light to your message, that uh, allow individuals to really understand what you are saying. It allowed me to connect with teenagers and understand what it was going to take really to begin to make a difference in their life, how I begin a relationship with them, what do I need to do to build them, steps I can begin to take with them. Really, the youth pastorate was my uh, incubation training period that really set me up for the ministry God was calling me to. Okay, now you're in your you're a young guy in your twenties when you're when you're uh, a student pastor, right? Well, and I look like I'm fifteen. Yeah, so <laughs> it, it's crazy. I look back at my pictures. I'm like, wow, 
how would any church hire me and trust me with their youth ministry when I look like I'm 15? But yes, yes, early But, but now you, you had some Bible training in college, and so it wasn't like right. you were t- took, totally green. No, I took minors in uh, social work and in biblical and theological studies. So yes, I had some training there, um, but not extensive. Now, were you married to Bonnie when you started in your ministry? I was not, no. Bonnie came along in the midst of uh, my youth ministry. I actually met her when I was the uh, caseworker at Sunny Ridge. Her brother was a house parent, and he introduced us, and Bonnie says it's the only decent thing he ever did. (laughs) Uh, That's funny. That's funny. Okay, so Greg, in in your experience, because you've had um, God has has put you in student ministry from the time you started in ministry, which, as you know, that's kind of a rare thing today because guys are they they want to kind of get their cut their teeth, I think, in student ministry and then and then get out, um, right? Because student ministry is hard. It is hard, but it is such a blessing. And I say to men and women in youth ministry, I say to them, hey, here's a heads up. Youth ministry is not a stepping stone to something better. It is the best. And it can be a lifetime calling for you. Okay, how does that work, Greg? Because I know that there's the thinking that, well, if I get into my 30s, maybe I'm too old for this and and maybe I need to to start dealing with adults. How, how does somebody stay fresh in it uh, in their 30s, maybe 40s, 50s? How does that happen? Well, because a teenager, in reality, doesn't need a youth director that can hit a 30-foot jump shot or throw a football 70 yards. I mean, that's all nice, but that's not what's most important. They need individuals in their life that have spiritual and emotional maturity, and that comes with age. And I want to say to you out there who are in your 30s and 40s and beyond that you have the depth of emotional maturity and spiritual insight that teenagers need. And so you actually become more effective with students the older you get as long as you stay current. You know, you need to understand what's going on in the youth culture. You can't stand up in front of them and, you know, use illustrations from 20 years ago uh, when it comes to, like, musicians or movie stars or things like that, because that's just going to date you like crazy. But if you stay culturally relevant, um, they are going to be drawn to you because of your insight wisdom and the love that you have for them. You know, Greg, I think that uh, in the minds of of a lot of guys in student ministry, the idea that I have to be cool, um, you know, am I cool enough? You told me one time, I've never forgotten it, the differences between middle schoolers and high schoolers. You said one of the key differences is that a middle schooler will say uh, of his student pastor or the speaker, does he think I'm cool? And a high schooler is asking the question, do I think he's cool? Uh, let's right. talk a little bit about the cool factor. How, how do you navigate that? Well, I navigate that 
through relationship. Look, I understand when I walk on to the platform to begin to speak, I understand visually I make kind of a poor first impression, okay? For example, students think, like, I look like a combination of Winnie the Pooh and the Cowardly Lion on The Wizard of Oz. So teenagers... (laughs) Teenagers have said to me, when you walked out, I thought to myself, oh, no. And so (laughs) I understand I'm starting kind of um, in a hole, and I'm going to dig my way out. And how do I dig my way out? Well, I can either say something profound that make teenagers say, wow, he really understands me, or I can get them to laugh. And if I can get them to laugh, Then they're going to say, oh, okay, maybe this guy isn't so bad. Maybe he is going to be okay. And then when I'm done with my first talk, I come off the platform and I say to the students, I would love it if you just take a second right now, just walk up to me, just introduce yourself. I would love to meet you. And students flock to the front. And that just gives me a quick opportunity, shake their hand, say hi to them, and then for the rest of the conference, I am aggressive toward them, meaning I'm walking around the dining room. I'm saying hi to students. Before the meeting starts, I'm walking around, shaking hands, free time. I'm out, and I am building relationship. And it is through that relationship where God gives me favor in their eyes. Well, Greg, you do a great job of that, and I've experienced that firsthand doing a conference with you where you're you know, meeting with the, uh, the married couples and, and uh, just making yourself available. You are extremely funny, which is a, a major plus. Um, I, I kind of think that I'm kind of funny. I'm not as funny as you are, but, uh, man, high school students, it's tough with them. They're a tough crowd. Um, I, I, I did a uh, student camp a few years ago, and I told him, I said, I, I think if Jim Gaffigan were here, he'd get no laughs from you guys. <laughs> and uh, that didn't work with them either. We're talking to Greg Speck. We're talking about the challenge of being a teen and parenting teens. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Real Truth for today, and I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shree. Oops, there's a piece I missed a little bit. Grandpa! Why do we always pick up litter when we go hiking? Well, we're just making it nicer for people who come after us a little bit. It's called stewardship. My grandfather taught me that you should always leave a place better than you found it. That it's important to invest in the lives of your children and grandchildren, leaving them with a godly legacy they can build on. That's why I decided to set up a charitable gift annuity with the AFA Foundation. It's called stewardship. I know that my gift will support a ministry that honors the biblical principles I hold dear, and it's a way to invest in the future of our country. The AFA Foundation also arranged for me to have a steady fixed income, so I don't have to worry in the midst of changing times. Call the AFA Foundation today to find out how you can set up a charitable gift annuity. Just call 800-326-4543, extension 345. Bishop E.W. Jackson. What needs to be told to these black men is 
get a job, stop fathering children that you can't take care of, stop hanging out in the streets, and stop acting like the cops are your enemy anytime you interact with them, particularly when you're interacting with them in a situation where you know they've come expecting potential trouble because of the circumstances you've allowed yourself to be in. How about trying that? Weekdays at noon central on American Family Radio. Hannah's Heart, a half-hour program specifically designed to encourage Christian couples walking through infertility and miscarriage. This is not a show that's going to promise you a certain outcome, Mm -hmm. but this is a show that says however God answers your cry, we know that He's enough. Hannah's Heart with Ann Cockrell and Kendra White each Saturday afternoon at 5 Central on American Family Radio. You can find the podcast at AFR.net. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Welcome back to Real Truth for today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. We're talking uh, to Greg Speck, who is a national speaker to students and to families. We're talking about the challenge of the teenage years. Now, Greg, in your experience, what have you seen uh, maybe change as, as you speak to teens? What are the issues that they are facing today that they weren't facing when you first started? Yeah, well, uh, every generation has had to deal with sin, but this generation is getting hammered by deeper, darker sin at a much earlier age. Uh, Families are falling apart. Uh, Parents are walking out on children, and that is hammering them. And in some cases, we've got a education system that is distorting what God's truth is. And so it feels like, as parents, as youth workers, that we are always involved in a battle. And the reality is, we are involved in a battle. We live on a battlefield. We have an enemy. The enemy is not our teenager. The enemy is Satan, and he's doing everything he can to try to bring down our students. Because he realizes if he cannot get to us directly as a parent, one of the best ways to discourage us is to bring down our children. Greg, I know you four children, 10 grandkids. Um, 
Did you notice when you were parenting your kids that it that it shifted into a different uh, challenge as they got into the teenage years? Well, absolutely, yes. Um, what I what I would say to my children is this: Look, I don't really care uh, what you look like on the outside. Like, if you want to grow your hair long, grow your hair long. If you want to wear some weird clothes, wear some weird clothes. That that really is not what's important to me. What's important to me is what you are like on the inside. And I want to call you to love Jesus Christ with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Now, I know some parents are going to stone me when I say this, but I said to my kids, look, I would much rather you get B's and C's and for us to have fun together as a family, and for you to love Jesus and follow Jesus, than to try to get straight A's with all kinds of pressure and stress. For me, for our family, it wasn't worth it. And I was not going to allow the educational system to kidnap my child, to draw them away from us, to draw them away from Christ. And... My children have done great academically. I mean, two of my children have their doctorates. I mean, one has a double master's. The other has a nursing degree. They've done fine academically. Nobody has gotten straight A's. And I said to them, I have been totally unqualified academically to do everything I've done. Um, I didn't have my master's in social work. Everybody else did. I didn't have uh, a master's degree in divinity or anything as a youth pastor. Everybody else did. No, I just relied on Jesus Christ. He took great care of me, and he led me. And I say to you as parents, you've got to call your children to Jesus, to love him with all your heart, and you've got to decide what's going to be most important to you as a family. And whatever that is, you need to focus on it. Greg, how do parents, and, and, and did you face this uh, with athletics? Because athletics can become all-consuming. How did you handle that, and how should parents handle that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, here's what I said to my kids. Uh, I would like you to communicate with your coach and just let them know, if possible, you would like to make a Wednesday night church that you'd like that to be able to be a priority. So I said to my kids, as soon as practice is over, you just hustle in. You don't even have to shower. I will pick you up after practice. I'll have food for you in the car. I'll get you to church. You can go ahead and um, be a participator in sports and still Stay connected in church. Uh, our key times to meet was Sunday evening for uh, just kind of deeper discipleship type of training, Wednesday night more for outreach, and then Sunday morning as well. So I said to my kids, I'd like you to make those commitments, that you'll be there Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday evening, and I believe that we can do that and do it around sports as well. 
Greg, now you and I both raised our kids. You have four. I have three girls. But we raised our kids before the age of the Internet and social media. Uh, How much strain and stress has that put on mom and dad and on the kids um, during these these formative years? Yeah, huge. It's had a huge impact. Uh, I want to say the Internet has been uh, amazing. It's been a wonder to be able at your fingertips to get answers to whatever you need to get answers for. It has also become the greatest source of evil as well. So as parents, we've got to be wise. As students, as teenagers, we have to be wise. Uh, I hear these three things from students as I travel and speak, and this includes internationally. When I'm traveling overseas and speaking, I'll hear these same three things from teenagers. I'm stressed, I'm depressed, and I'm afraid. Stressed, depressed, and afraid. And I want to say that the Internet does not ease the stress, depression, or the fear. It increases it. The enemy uses that to feed our students' lies. So they look at themselves on the Internet They see themselves on Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok or whatever that is, and they compare themselves with others, and they don't think they look as good or they're as talented as others. And so that just adds to their depression. It adds to their self-hate. It adds to the stress and the fear and all that stuff. I say to students, it's crazy for you to compare your life with like a 15-second tic-tac little video clip of somebody else. And just because you think they look better, just because you they seem to be more talented or they might appear to have it all together, the reality is they don't. And they struggle <laughs> just like you struggle. So really, my call is you've got to focus back on Christ. Jesus Christ has got to be number one in your life. Everything else will begin to fall into place if we can just get that priority correct. Okay, Greg, so if you had to, if you had to run it back and do it over in in, in this day and age, and you had your four kids or or teenage years, um, what would be practical things that you would put in place that uh, parents could latch on to and, and put in place today? Yeah, I would, um, I would have time limits on uh, being on social media. Uh, I would not allow them to have social media in their rooms with their doors closed. Um, The Internet is something that we will do as a family in a public place, sitting in the kitchen or sitting in the living room or something like that, because they don't even have to look for sin. They don't even have to look for pornography. Pornography will find them. Pornography will track them down. Uh, I would have them plug in their phone in our bedroom uh, every evening to recharge right there. Um, I would make sure that I had passwords to all of the phones, and I would say to my children, look, I am going to help keep you accountable. I'm not doing this to be a stalker. 
I'm not doing this to limit you. I'm doing this to help you so that you don't make choices that are going to hurt you in some cases for the rest of your life are going to hammer you. I want to help you to make good choices. You know, uh, teenagers can be socially mature, intellectually mature, physically mature, but they lack emotional maturity because emotional maturity only comes with time. And you're not going to be as emotionally mature at 13 as you will at 17, and you won't be at 17 as you will at 27, and on and on we go. So I refuse to set my children up to fail. I refuse to do that. So I sat down with my kids and I said this to them. I will love you so much that I will risk my relationship with you. Meaning, I'm going to make some hard calls. And there are some things I'm going to say you're not going to like. And it's going to upset you and it's going to bother you. But understand, I'm doing this because I love you and I desire what is very best for you. So I would want to make sure that social media was not hijacking my kids and hijacking their lives. I'd want to put some boundaries, parameters around it. I mean, there would definitely be um, free zones for social media. Nobody would bring iPhones to the table for dinner. There'd be certain times we'd go out together as a family. There'd be no social media when we're out together. We want to focus in on a family and on growing together. So you want to have some internet free zones where students are just off their social media. Greg, I know you've worked with families that uh, where the kids really get rebellious and, and go off the rails and, and maybe mom and dad didn't do it very well in the in the early formative years. Um, what do you say to the parent that says, hey, my kid doesn't listen to me. Everything is a fight. Um, you know, I, I finally, I just, I just give up and give in because I just want, you know, some peace in the home. How does a parent handle that kind of situation? Well, here, here would be my suggestion. Number one, you make sure that you are serious about your relationship with Christ. Make sure that you are seeking the Lord and spending time with Him daily. Not because you have to, not because you're supposed to, not because you're going to get brownie points. Do that because you care about Him and you want that relationship. Then secondly, I want you to begin to warfare pray for your children. A demon can take on whatever name a demon wants to be called. If a demon wants to be called Bill, he can be called Bill. But most often, they take on the names that have to do with our old nature, uh, sin, challenges, struggles that we're having. So I want you to look at your child, and I want you to look at some of the challenges that are hammering them, and I want you to step in the gap and begin to warfare pray for them. So, for example, you pray something like this. Rebellion, I come against you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I forbid you from speaking to my child, touching them, or being in their presence. I command you to go now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're going to begin to do this now on a consistent, a consistent time during the day as the Holy Spirit would bring it to mind. 
You're not doing it in the presence of your child, but you're doing it on behalf of your child. Then you're going to spend time with your child again. How do teenagers spell love? They spell it T-I-M-E. So you're going to spend time with them. You're going to go out with them, and the entire purpose of going out with them is just to have fun and to speak light into them. So what are things you appreciate about your child? I understand they're a pain now. I understand they're making poor decisions, but there are also good things about them. So I want you to speak that into them. I want you to say to them, man, I love when you do this, and this is awesome, and I'm so proud of you when you do that. And just begin to build them up in the Lord and then pray and say, God, will you once again give me the hearts of my children that I might give those hearts to you? And then parents, be patient, be consistent, and begin to do this over a period of time. Right, because it's not going to just be instantaneous. They're not going to say, wow, I did this for three days and my child's totally different. Uh, it's gonna, Exactly. It's going to take time. Greg, that is great advice. Um, there, There's nothing stronger than the power of prayer. Sometimes we think, well, there's nothing left to do. I guess I'll pray. Uh, prayer is not meant to be uh, the last stop on the road to help. It's the first resort that we go to. We cry out to the Lord. One of the things that's interesting— <laughs> Well, when you read in the the book of Exodus, Moses is such an example of prayer. When difficulties would come, that was the first thing he would do. He would fall on his face before the Lord, and he'd cry out to God. And so I love that, Greg. Those are... Those are very practical things that parents can do. We're talking to Greg Speck, and if you would like to uh, to touch base with Greg, Greg is very, very open and, and very helpful. You can reach him. His email is gregospeck, S-P-E-C-K, at gmail.com, gregospeck at gmail.com, or his website is gregspeckministries.org, gregspeckministries.org. We're talking about the challenge of uh, parenting teenagers, the challenge of being a teenager. And Greg Speck has uh, spent many, many years uh, ministering to teenagers and their families. He has much uh, great wisdom that God has given him. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Real Truth for Today. Don't go away. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net. And sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. What we believe about the Bible is based on what we believe about its source. The God Who Speaks, the award-winning documentary from the American Family Association, is now available in a special limited edition DVD set. This release includes a Sunday school curriculum and two hours of additional footage. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to get your copy today. thegodwhospeaks.org. 
There's a very good reason why God told Israel's fathers in Deuteronomy 6 to fear God and raise up their children to fear the Lord. You see, fearing God is the foundation to personal and national success. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr with another Stand in the Gap Minute. Deuteronomy 6.2 teaches that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all His statutes and His commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. Verse 3 adds that it may be well with you. You see, our fear of the Lord extends life and offers security as we live according to God's ways. You must personally invest in your child's life to help them know the ways of the Lord. We don't outsource godly teaching. We are called to equip our children with God's Word. Discover more encouraging resources at AmericanPastorsNetwork.net. Judy Goodell and her husband set up a charitable gift annuity through the AFA Foundation. What we love about it is that it represents stewardship principles that we feel strongly about. So we got very, very excited about this opportunity. With a charitable gift annuity through the AFA Foundation, an AFA supporter can guarantee a permanent monthly income, as well as supporting the American Family Association for years to come. We do feel convicted about really praying about all that God has really blessed us with. And so many people we know just want to leave it all to their kids. And we know the danger of that. And so we just are really just trying to pray through it. And God gave us great confirmation as we prayed that this would be a good use of the Lord's money. Find out if a charitable gift annuity is right for you at 800-326-4543, extension 345, or email foundation at afa.net. Welcome back to Real Truth for today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. We're talking to national and international student speaker, Greg Speck, and we're talking about the teenage years. Uh, Greg, in Ephesians 6, verse 4, chapter 6, verse 4, and fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I find it interesting that that command is given to fathers because fathers have a tendency to exasperate their children, to uh, pick on them, to always be pointing out the things they're not doing right and can really cause their children to to get angry uh, at, at dad especially and, and the father wound is such a, a huge issue. Um, tell us how a, a dad, a mom and dad can can develop their children when they're young so that uh, we can train them up in the way that they should go so when they're old they don't depart from it? Yeah, well, uh, I said to my kids and other teenagers, I said, look, there are five steps I want you to take, and I want you to tell me where you are on this journey and have you taken these steps. Step number one is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that you have surrendered your life to him and you are following Jesus. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about relationship now, that God is your Savior, your Lord, your Father, your friend. Step number two is healthy personhood. You need to see yourself through the eyes of God and not the eyes of the world. And what does God 
think about you. Because your friends do not define you. Sin does not define you. The world does not define you. Jesus defines you. So helping them discover what does God think about them, understanding their birthright, who they are in Christ. Step number three, healthy relationships. Because honestly, in the teen years and on into college, what is going to make or break your child are going to be relationships. If they are healthy, they're going to grow in the Lord. If they are unhealthy, it's going to take them down the tubes. And I say to students, how do you discern whether a relationship is healthy or unhealthy? Ask yourself these questions. Number one, when I'm with this person, what do I do? What are the activities I'm involved in? Do they honor God? Do they dishonor God? Number two, what comes out of my mouth? Is there profanity? Is there gossip? Am I building up or am I tearing down? Number three, how do I feel about my parents and authority? Uh, Am I obedient or do I rebel? Am I lying? Do I deceive? Do I break the law? Number four, how is it impacting my self-esteem? Meaning, when I'm all by myself and I, in my room, and I look at my face in the mirror, do I like what I'm becoming? And if I continue in this direction, where am I going to be in six months, and six years? And number five, how is it impacting my relationship with Christ? Are these people drawing me closer to Jesus, or are they pushing me farther away? And then I say to the teen that the answer to any one of those questions is negative, you might have an unhealthy relationship. If the answer to two or more of those are negative, you can be pretty assured you have an unhealthy relationship. And what do you need to do? You need to end it. Why? 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three, because bad company corrupts good character. Number four is understanding who you are in Christ, and then beginning to live that out, meaning getting involved in growth experiences. Now we want our child to be involved in missions trips and camps and conferences, places where they can experience the living God face-to-face. I say to parents, for crying out loud, do not ground your children from God. I mean, I go up to a kid, I go, hey, you're going to come to camp with us? And they'd be like, no, my parents have grounded me. I can't go to camp. And I'm like, to the parent, what are you even thinking? Here's a place where they can encounter the living God, and you're going to ground them from that? No, that's ridiculous. So get them involved in those growth experiences. And then finally, step number five is, then you take leadership spiritually then you begin to get involved in your youth group, in your school, in your world. You be the leader God is calling you to be, and you begin to make an impact. Amen. Well, Greg, how, how does what we're dealing with today and what kids are dealing with today and all over the news, this transgenderism, gender dysphoria, you know, if, if you're a uh, a guy, maybe, maybe God made a mistake, and you should be a girl. And and kids are uh, experimenting with this. There's 
tremendous um, uh, acceptance if you if you say, "Hey, this is happening to me." Uh, how do how do kids deal with this? How do parents deal with this if their child says, "Hey, I think I'm a you know I'm a boy, but hey, I think I'm a girl." H- have you had much experience with that? Sure. Yeah, I've had students who come up to me at camps and conferences to talk to me about the whole thing. Uh, number one, from a uh, from a parent's perspective, first thing I would encourage you is to say to your child, look at me. I love you, and I will always love you. And you are my son. You are my daughter. I will stand with you. I care about you deeply. But then I say to parents this, don't get caught up in the weeds. Uh, when Bonnie and I bought our first house, my front lawn was awful, just weeds everywhere. And it's a disaster, and my lawn looks terrible. And one day my neighbor comes over and says, how you doing? And I go, I'm doing terrible. Look at my front lawn. I'm, I'm a disgrace to the neighborhood. And he said to me, can I make a suggestion? And I go, absolutely, anything. He said to me, just grow grass. Don't worry about the weeds. Just grow grass. And you know what? It was, it was totally right. It was the right thing to do. I was focused on the wrong area. Parents, don't focus on the weeds. Seek to grow your child spiritually, to pray for them, to speak truth into them to love them, to nurture them. Ask the spirit of the living God to fill and control your child and do not panic and walk with them through this time. If you're a teenager today in the school, I say, what is your highest calling? Your highest calling is to love Jesus and to love your neighbor. And is the transgender your neighbor? And the answer is absolutely yes. So love these people. We love them without approving of their behavior. I love the teenager, even though he goes out and gets drunk on Saturday. I love the teenager. I don't love their behavior. So you need to be light and you need to be salt. And we need to make sure that we're about building up and not tearing down. And God will use us to save individuals. And that's what we want to do. We want to bring light into the darkness one individual at a time. Amen. Debbie and I noticed when we <clears throat> when we were raising our kids, if you create an environment that is really rigid, and uh, you know, it's like putting your kids on this really short leash, uh, that doesn't that doesn't do very well. That doesn't create a, a healthy, happy child. That creates a kid that just can't wait to get off the leash, and it almost breeds rebellion uh, because it's as the old phrase goes, it's it's more rules without relationship. Um, Greg, it seems like a lot of parents are they're they're so interested in being their child's friend that they don't do a very good good job being their child's parent. How can they flip that paradigm in their head? Yeah, your child doesn't need another best friend. They need a mom. They need a dad. You are modeling for them, parents. 
you, whether you like it or not, you're standing up in front of them and you're saying, watch me as a woman and be the kind of mother I am and be the kind of wife I am. You're saying as a man, watch me now. Be the kind of dad I am. Be the kind of husband I am. You are really modeling for your child. So you need to be praying for them. You need to be spending time with them. You need to be speaking life into them. But you've also got to be making hard calls. you got to be willing to say no. No, you can't go there. No, you can't do that. No, you're not going to go and be a part of this. No, that's not healthy. You've got to be willing to love them enough to risk your relationship with them. You know, when they look back, when you've taken stands out of love for them, they're going to see that, they're going to know that, and they're going to appreciate that you were willing to take those hard stands and that you did it out of love. You know, as I hear you talking, Greg, um, there's a being a parent is a tremendous responsibility. And if we're going to parent our kids in the fear and instruction of the of the Lord, it starts with us walking with God. And uh, parents, listen, if you're not willing to walk with God, don't expect your kids to walk with God. They need to see Jesus real in you. How did you and Bonnie do that? Greg, so that your four kids saw Jesus real in you? Well, yeah. Uh, you know, I was a youth pastor when, for at least some of the time, my kids were growing up. So having them in youth ministry, I said to my children this, I do not expect perfection. Okay? I am the youth pastor, and I make mistakes. And you are the youth pastor's children, and you're going to make mistakes. Okay, my reputation is not dependent upon you. I want to take that pressure off of you. I want you to be who God has created you to be. And you'll do some things well, and you'll do some things poorly, and we're going to learn through the mistakes, and we'll be different. One thing I said to my children growing up is your yesterdays do not determine your tomorrows. You can be different because Jesus Christ will give you the power to be different. Then let's get involved in growth experiences, and let's do it as a family. Let's get involved on the mission field. Uh, for about 30 years, I led teenagers on short-term missions to the British Isles and Europe, uh, doing street theater and evangelism. And I made sure my kids were all involved in that. And honestly, that's that's where the four of them really own their faith, where they began to see God just doing miraculous things in and through them. So we walk with our children. We lead them. We don't push them. We don't say, go there, do this, do that. You say, come on, come on, let us go here, let us do this. We're all part of this as a family, and we really build each other up. Well, Greg, we have just a couple of more minutes. Uh, what would you say to the person listening who just says, man, I, I just messed it up, and now I have an estranged relationship with my child. They're out of the teenage years, but they're out of my home, but we don't talk anymore, and I know much of it is on my shoulders that I, I created this distance. What's the encouragement for them? 
my encouragement to you is your yesterdays do not determine your tomorrows. You can be different starting now because God will give you the power to be different. So focus in on Jesus. So ask the Spirit of the living God to fill and control you. Reach out to your child, humble yourself, and apologize to them for everything God just brings to your mind that you need to apologize for. Just do that. And then even ask them, is there anything else I forgot that I need to apologize for? Then do that. Then say to them this, look, I'm going to continue to reach out to you. I'll, I'll send you an email. I might uh, try to call you, whatever. Look, you don't have to respond to me at all. And I'm not doing this to bug you. I'm doing this just to say I'm sorry for my poor parenting in the past. But starting now, I really want to be different. And I want to love you. And I want to encourage you. And I want to help you. And then just wait on God. Just say, Lord, only you can change their hearts. Only you can build this relationship again. Would you please do that? And let me tell you, God is all about taking broken things and making them whole. Amen. He's the God of hope. We've been talking to Greg Speck. If you want to reach out to Greg, if you have a question, you can email him directly, Greg O. Speck, S-P-E-C-K, at gmail.com. Greg, so, thanks so much for being with me today, and you have been a blessing, my friend. And uh, I know you have a broken leg, so may God's hand of healing be upon you as you uh, as you deal with this broken bone. You've been listening to Real Truth for today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. We'll be with you again tomorrow. Hey, go out and make a difference for Jesus this day. It's all we have to live is this day, and God wants to use you this day. So shine for Christ and share what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. God bless you.